Chris, how's it going, man? Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 glad to hear. I'm just it's a it's a day off work for me. I've been kind of relaxing, uh, you know, waiting waiting patiently for this this hell year to end. Um, <laughs> only only got less than a month left of it. I'm I'm very excited at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, this uh and the the sooner over the better. I'm 100% with you on that. Uh I I don't know about you. I am uh knee deep for the website getting ready to start end of year. It is I feel like it started even earlier <laughs> this year than normal. But uh the lists are running, websites are posting, so I'm starting to draft my stuff. What are you doing? Uh well, I I am not I am not knee deep. Um I I don't know. I've had trouble playing favorites this year. I mean, I have trouble playing favorites every year, but particularly this year because I just feel like it's 2020. If you could do anything this year, if you could make anything this year, you should get a fucking medal. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that should be enough. Like best this or favorite that like that's that just who cares? Who cares? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't know if you had the same problem I did, but I think one of the hardest things for me this year with, with doing any of that was because, I mean, let's face it, 2020 is kind of a clusterfuck of a year. I probably this year more than any other just kind of retreated away from stuff, particularly metal. <laughs> so it'll be yes. interesting when we do our metal list later. But uh, uh, I really just kind of retreated to, hey, you know what? I need some comfort music. I need the stuff that impacts me and reminds me of happier times or reminds me of the stuff that I fell in love with, you know, kind of growing up. Um, and that's really where I've been for most of 2020. So same thing, man. I, I try, I didn't really focus on, we were talking about songs and stuff earlier, man. I, I probably can't even tell you half of the songs on the albums that I love this year. I just know that there was a general feeling and tone to the stuff that I listened to and the stuff that really connected with me. That's, almost ephemeral. The details don't matter. It's kind of the, it's, it's where it placed me. Uh, it's, it's the ability to kind of lift me out of the morass of (laughs) 2020. That really is what stood out to me this year. Old and new music alike. I feel you. I feel you. You talk about stepping away from metal. Um, I'm putting together my end of year metal post and it's actually not a end of year metal post. It's an end of year other stuff. I liked (laughs) other stuff that helped keep me sane this year post. Um, I'm going to talk about Legos. I'm going to talk about the Michael Jordan documentary. I'm going to talk about (laughs) Parasite winning best picture at the Oscars, stuff like that. Uh, Just, I don't know. I think, I think um, I needed, I needed things to, to to your point. I needed things that were just going to bring me joy and, more often than not, like, I'm sorry, you know, there were some good metal albums, but more often than not, that wasn't metal. Metal is, metal is, and, and, you know, it, it, it's, it, it can be a very challenging genre at times. And the world at large was challenging enough this year. I, I, I didn't, I, more often than not, I didn't need more of a challenge on top of just day-to-day shit. Yeah. So... It's a weird year. It's a weird year to process music and to pick music and, and, you know, try and make something stick. But, um, you know, every now and again, something, something did, did hold its, you know, hold its position in my, in my ear holes and, 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 you know, stick around, stick with me. So, yeah, it, it, it's definitely there, but I mean, if, if we're being honest, you and I are, are generally the two of, of the nine circle stand, uh, staff that pretty much 
we are also the big non-metal listeners. I mean, everyone else, it's a, it's a primary focus for them. We, we tend to find our, uh, our diamonds in the rough kind of elsewhere and in other genres. And I know that, uh, as is now tradition, we like to talk about those. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we have quite a few, I think, to talk about, uh, th- this year. Cause I, again, this year more than ever, I turned away from metal to find, solace uh it was and we'll talk about on our list uh there was a lot of so much you said this earlier in a but uh man if you put something out at all if god bless you man my my hat is off to you but the fact that so much good stuff came out everywhere uh is kind of a kind of a a bit of a revelation to me about how much stuff i wound up really liking even in the last couple of weeks when you and i were kind of sharing um, albums back and forth. So I was diving into a lot of stuff that I wasn't familiar with. And uh, man, I found some stuff I really liked that. Again, it's the end of the year. You, you know, we've listened probably between us close to, I would say a thousand albums at this point. And I'm still finding stuff that uh, I think is incredible. So uh, you want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that floated our boat this year? Yeah, let's, let's do it. I remember, um, just kind of going back and forth with you over the past few weeks, there were, there were a number of, uh, I mean, we, we were kind of pulling from different areas in general, but, um, I know there were a couple albums that, uh, that really, really, um, you know, stood out to both of us. I mean, right off the bat, I think we, we, we just talked about this before we, before we, uh, started chatting, uh, in, in this capacity, but, um, Fiona Apple, man. In class, I passed the time, drawing a slash for every time. Second hand went by a group of five, done 12 times. Just a minute, but Shamika said I had potential. Shamika said I had potential. Yeah. Fetch the bowl cutters. Like, can, can, can this woman do any wrong? No. No. So let's, <laughs> let's unequivocally right off the bat say no. She can't do any wrong. Uh, w- just for people listening to this, uh, there's no rankings this year. It's it's literally just two two friends just really talking about the music that connected with them. So I will just put out there that Fetch the Bolt Cutters is probably my favorite album, bar none, of the year. She can't do any wrong. Even when she does something that's ostensibly, uh, I sat in my house and I recorded this and I used dogs and I used, you know, the piano that was lying around and pots and pans for percussion it is such a remarkable achievement it not only in just the songwriting and her voice and 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 what she's talking about but one of the things that really drew me to music this year and it'll be a running theme through a lot of the stuff that I want to talk about is production and just how the production kind of lives and breathes um and this the very kind of skeletal bare bones nature of this thing is so inviting and so comforting, even when she's being more aggressive on songs and, uh, and, 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 and getting that kind of sharp percussive nature in the music. Uh, there's just something so gorgeous about, I, I mean, you can just, the, just take those first four tracks. I want you to love me. Shamika, which is probably my wife's favorite song of the year. Uh, the title oh, track so under the table. I mean, that's right there. You've got some of the greatest music I've heard in a couple of years, let alone 2020. It's such a gorgeous record. I, I picked it up and I, it was so, strange 
it's so it's so strange. It's so unlike anything that's you know just shoved at you by any sort of conventional mainstream music. Um, and it, it, I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what on earth is she doing? A lot of the time. But it was so compelling. Like I didn't know what the hell was going on, but I know I wanted to. I knew I wanted to keep listening, <laughs> and it was just mesmerizing. And I think to your point, you know, you talk about the minimal, the the you know, just kind of restrained, kind of held back production. I mean, that is that 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 it's just the essence of the album itself. Yeah. It's just it's it's an album that is you know she made do with what she had at her disposal, and the the. Production. I mean, if if you took like using dogs as backing vocals and using pots and pans as percussion, and then tried to jazz it up with fancy production, I mean, it would it would just completely contradict the whole nature of the album. And I think the fact that she kept it just in line and and knew what she wanted to do with it to a T, um, I just I thought it was fantastic. I, I couldn't stop listening. Yeah, to you know, it's funny. You you hit the nail on the head with no other album sounds like this. But yet it sounds so much like Fiona Apple. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I've been a fan since the first album came out. I was in college when that hit. And, uh, you know, it's been a while since something's new come out. And, and just the way that this hit, it also just very much, this is the year that really, I had started about a year or two ago getting into vinyl and like building a sound system. Uh, the second I heard, um, I don't think, it, I think it was I Want You to Love Me was, I think that was the first song I heard this was like, Oh, I need this in the highest possible fidelity because to your point, the, the, the production is so restrained, but it's not bad and it's not lo-fi. It is perfectly suited to the intimate nature of the music and the intimate nature of the themes that she's communicating. And for my money, there was as great as everything else was, there was nothing quite like this. It, it, It really shook me to my foundations when I heard it. And it continues to be that galvanizing every time I put it on. Yeah. Yeah. I got to give a shout out to, um, I mean, you mentioned the first four tracks, which are all fantastic, but I got to give a shout out to uh, heavy Bullet. Oh. by the way. I think that's my, I think that's my favorite on the album, but, um, yeah, terrific. Listen all the way, all the way through. Um, yeah. When did that come out? It was like March. I yeah, think? it was March, March April. or April. And it was one, one of those, like we announced it and it came out like a day or two later, right? That that's the, the big thing. Now these kind of mm-hmm. surprise releases and it was just, yeah, man, it 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 made an impact when it landed. You, you talk, there are things like, oh, Beyonce did a secret album, and you hear all these things with huge cuts and big bangs, and this was the first time I heard something that was like, wow, I did not expect yeah. anything like this when it, you know, when, when Beyonce, nothing against Beyonce because Lemonade is one of the best albums of the decade, but when Beyonce drops an album, it's going to sound like Beyonce. Uh, and you can say that this does sound like Fiona Apple and it does, but man, I I don't think anyone expected it to sound like this. And that's such a surprise. And to have it kind of drop as a gift in the midst of this year, uh, is it's, it's just truly a, a, a welcome surprise. Chris, you better run and hide. I think the beehive is going to come out. <laughs> Again, I did say <laughs> lemonade, one of the best albums of the decade. <laughs> nope. I, 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 I don't take that back. Not I enough. Also one of the best albums of the decade. 
They're going to hunt you down. You need an alias dude. and you need $3,000 and you need to move to a new state Jay-Z, right away. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we have a couple that are in common. So let, let, let's talk about, let's jump into the next one. Um, this is actually the most recent one that I listened to. I was playing it uh, this morning because it, again, um, something that you would expect, but again, still so surprising. A lot of people may put this on their metal albums of the year because ostensibly this might be considered a metal band, but let's talk about about over and flowers of evil for a second. These guys, uh, the last album, Assassination of Julius Caesar, was one of my favorite albums uh, the year that that came out. Um, Flowers of Evil kind of came as a little bit of a surprise to me because Over had been releasing a bunch of the singles. So I thought, oh, this is just going to be a year that they're going to do all these, these these little singles. And then when Flowers of Evil hit and I listened to it, first of all, there's the Passion of Joan of Arc cover that is immediately grabbing, um, if you're familiar with the film, that it just strikes such a chord. And then even though it's kind of the same direction that they've been pushing for the last couple of albums – They've never hit the goth as heavy as they hit on this album. Uh, and it completely blew me away. I, I don't know that there's a better male vocalist right now than, than, than Garm, uh, than Christopher Rigg doing what, what he does. But the second I heard One Last Dance and I heard that pulse and the way that the music is so much simpler than it was in the past – but it hits such a darker note. Uh, again, it's just one of those things that I look at that stark black and white cover. I listen to the music and I'm like, yeah, no, that's a perfect match between the two things. He, he kind of is, he's really starting to remind me of, um, like Dave Gahan from, uh, totally. Mode. Um, in the best it's possible just, it's, way. <laughs> right, right. It's so suited to this aesthetic that they're, that they're, Seems to be their thing now. I mean, now Oliver, get, it seems like gets a new thing every, you know, three, four albums. But <laughs> but for for this particular era of Oliver, um, it's just it's so well suited to it. Um, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Assassination of Julius Caesar. I, I was with you. I think that was one of my favorite albums. Was it 20? I think so. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. Um, and it was one of my favorite albums of that year. And when this came out. I was going back and forth. I was, I was like, which one do I, which one sits with me more? And I've kind of, I've kind of settled on, like, I don't have a favorite between the two. I can't pick between the two because I don't think either one could exist without the other. Yep. You know, I, I they, they're, they're complementary pieces. And I think, you know, like this was, you know, assassination was more over, dipping their feet into this kind of dark synth pop kind of sound. Whereas flowers of evil is, is fully real. It's an embracing of the tone, right? Yeah. I, I feel exactly yeah. the same. They're almost in, incomparable, but they can't live with the, out the, uh, the other, I think of assassination, much more of the kind of ambient synth, right? Like almost like a dark wave kind of thing going. And then this is just, no, let's just embrace our inner, Depeche mode. Let, let's just go goth. Let's 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 make something that's dark and foreboding, but pulses with a dance beat that we were almost a little afraid to be so explicit with on the last couple of albums. And uh, it's gorgeous. It, it, 
it almost feels like a like a like a bow tie of sorts because you have assassination on one end, you have Flowers of Evil on the other, and then in the middle you have the Sick Transit Gloria yeah. Mundi EP, uh, which just just kind of it's a nice seg between the two. Um, assassination, I, I, I would say, you know, kind of um, in addition to the the dark wave kind of um, component that you mentioned, it, it almost if if. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to like explicitly call this call it like a jam record because when I think of a jam record, I think of Fish playing twenty three right. minute guitar solos and me getting bored out of my mind. But um, it was more exploratory. I feel like the songs were generally longer and and um, you know just just they were doing these experiments and really just you know flying off the seat of their pants. Whereas uh, you know Flowers of Evil seems more. Um, concise and constrained and polished. Um, again, neither one of those things is better than the other, but it's it's just it's remarkable that they both they they feel like they feel like twins. They feel like companions to each yeah, other. Yeah, I, I I think right to your point. There's um, if I were to put a if I were to put a label to it, uh, assassinations more progressive. It's it's a little bit more exploratory. Because it's trying to find, I think, eventually what they settle on with Flowers of Evil. It's it, we're, we're searching on this album. We've now found it and we're going to demonstrate it here in this this new piece. Um, yeah. Anything f- from a track perspective stand out to you? Honestly, Machine Guns yeah. and Peacock Feathers. <laughs> um, good God. So good. Uh, Apocalypse 93 is good. Man, it's just it it it's hard to it's hard to pick. Russian Doll, I love. I think um, Russian Doll was the first well, I, I heard because Russian Doll, I think, was one of the singles. That was it was yeah. the first single. They um, released. But yeah. I'm but I'm right um, with the Machine Gun and Peacock Feathers is is just great. <laughs> oh God, I feel like I feel like such a dork because whenever that song comes on, I'm just like swaying a little to. bit. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's, it's fantastic. Good, good. Listen all, all around. I mean, and it's, and it does, it's exactly, it's as long as it needs to be. It doesn't, it, it does nothing about it feels, you know, extraneous. It's just, it's, it's eight songs. It's under 40 minutes and it's, it's a, you know, if you can call it a pop record for, you know, by all of our standards, it, it, it's, it's that kind of perfect poppy length. Um, doesn't do any more than it, than it's able to or needs to it just it just hits the nail on the head i cannot get enough of this album <laughs> the next overlap uh, i i thought this was you know we were i know we debated at one point um whether this whether this would go on the metal list or the non-metal list speaking of you know like what you mentioned i know Revolver. what we're talking about um, <laughs> yeah touche more um their new album lament I was a big fan of Stage Four when that came out. That was uh, Jeremy Baum, uh, basically an entire tribute to his his mother who had yeah. passed away from from Stage Four cancer. Um, that was actually the first I had ever heard Touche Amore, and I just I fell in love with them oh, with that okay. album. So yeah, so um, going into this one, I was I, I 
I, I, I was trying to keep an open mind, but I was like, oh, the last one is is also really amazing, but also kind of has a, a nostalgic, like a special place mm-hmm. for me. Um, sentimental value, because that was my introduction to the band. Um, but the more I listen to Lament, um, I, I just, I really love it. I love um, the, just, just I, I, I don't know, I, I've gotten into this kind of post-hardcore thing in a big way over the last few years, basically since basically since I stage four. Stage four. <laughs> uh, I was never was never that into it before, but I was like, oh, oh, this is good. You know, this this genre does it for me um, when it's done well. Um, and everything here, you know, something something like from from back to back songs. I think on the record, you have something like Reminders, which is hey, you know, kind of a, a tender, you know, like just positive song, and it's all about. You know, the video is all about punk rockers and their dogs. And <laughs> I need reminders of the of the love I have. Like dogs that kind play of thing. a huge then, role in 2020 music this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll specifically talk about a dog song on one of my other picks. And uh, over on the metal spectrum, a lot of people love the Spirit of Drift album, which is all about <laughs> two dogs. <laughs> but yeah, no, to your point. Carl. Yeah. But then right after that, you get into, I honestly, like, I think this, I, 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 this is, if not one of my, if not my favorite, then certainly one of my top three favorite Touche Amore songs was Limelight. Um, oh, it's so which good. like, if, if you could, if you could describe this band as having like an epic in them, I think this is their epic. It's, it's like almost six minutes long. It's got a guest spot from, um, what's his name for Manchester yep. orchestra. Um, it's just, it's really just heart wrenching, but also, you know, just maintains that, that kind of hardcore in your face aesthetic. Um, just that, that kind of, it, it's, it's those layers to this album, I think is, is what I'm trying to say here that I really, I love about it. Yeah. Uh, y- y- the emotion is what really brings this album home. My, my favorite track, this is one of the few albums that I sat and just really focused on. I had all the lyrics in front of me and, um, was exposed to it during a particularly turbulent couple of days with, with, with family. We were away for Columbus weekend and a lot of infighting. We have a very divided family politically. (laughs) I'll just say that. Uh, and, uh, you know, with all the COVID risks and everything else, this was the first time the family had kind of gotten together in a while. Things kind of ran hot. Um, I walked out and just kind of sat outside in the middle of the woods with this album. Um, and to me, an album almost always is going to be defined by its opener and come heroin, which is the opening to this album is one of the best. It, it, again, it, you know, if we talk about songs of, of the year and I said, this wasn't something that I was hugely aware of just because of how the year was. Um, but come heroin is the, one of the ones that stuck out to me the most uh, when you just go into those lyrics you're in some type of a relationship uh, and you just hear the way that he kind of screams out, uh, I'm just a risk on top of the moon when I swore I'd seen everything I saw you. It's just a, it is a punch to the gut. Uh, But in a way that's completely different from stage four, which is dealing with a very different set of emotions and, and, and pain and tragedy. Uh, This just kind of brought me back to, Oh, this is, you know, I understand kind of why I kind of live with some of the pain and difficult and, and heartache that I have 
uh, with family because goddamn, you know, I, I, again, I make no note of the fact I've been with the same person for 30 years now. <laughs> There's a reason when I swore I saw everything I saw her. Uh, and this album was like, Oh, you want to get punched in the gut in the middle of all this other bullshit Hear this song, Chris. And it just, it, it was a laser right into my brain. And then from there, just, yeah. it didn't stop again. You want to talk about timing 36 minutes. This is the perfect length for a record limelight. It, yeah. It's a hundred. It's the, it, it, it's the Epic. It might be the Epic of their career. Um, the only thing I'll say against, lament as a whole is that it came after stage four so i don't think it's getting the love that it should be getting because stage four was such a huge album for them with with just the the personal touches and everything but man this album to me is just as good just as good stage four was one of my favorite albums when when that came out uh and and this just brings it to me to another level i feel like albums like that 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 follow classics um they have a way of making their greatness known after yeah. the fact, um, I and and, and it, it there's no there's no time frame. It's different for everybody. But I know like I was a huge fan. I think it's Jesus Christ. It's 15 years ago now. Um, I was a big fan of Block Party. Oh, um, man. Silent but, Alarm. <laughs> that was such a huge. Yeah, well, it, exactly. Exactly. Silent Alarm. What like blew my 15 year old, 16 year old ass away. And. Then, you know, a couple of years later, they followed it up with a weekend in the city. And I was like, it wasn't as it wasn't as in your face. No. It wasn't as um, immediate. But man, when I go back to it now, I find I'm listening to a weekend in the city yep. more. And that album is resonating with me more than Silent Alarm does after the fact. Now, the um, big block party question, though, is do you go beyond that? <laughs> I... <laughs> bits and pieces yeah. of the third album uh which i can't even remember intimacy intimacy is yeah. the name of the third album uh bits and pieces of it i really like but not much yeah. beyond but those that. those first two albums no. are untouchable i think i think kelly okariki's uh solo career is more interesting much more interesting than anything block party did after yeah. those first two records but if you're looking for a more a more metal uh a metal specific analogy of, of this kind of phenomenon um, asteroid air into the self-titled yeah. record last year um, air blew me away when that came out. And I was, I, you know, in the, the second album, the self-titled was, was good, but it took several listens over several months for me to realize like, Oh, this is deeper. This is, more resonant hmm. with me. I mean, not to take anything away from the first album, but um, I thought what they did, um, just just turning up the restraint a little bit and and broadening broadening the the scope of how they were going to hit you. Um, I, I I think that resonated with me more. So I, I I don't know. It's it all of this is to say, you know, yeah, lament may not be getting the attention now in the aftermath of stage four, but if we stick with it and, you know, and I'm not going to not listen to this thing. I, I, I listened to it two days ago on the way to work. Um, it, I, I would not be surprised if, if a similar kind of, if not overtaking, then, then a similar um, equal in esteem, equaling in esteem happens down the road. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm 
with you on that. I, I think some of the best albums are those albums that come out of the shadow of the classic and just, they, they get better with age. They're, they're, they're trying new things. I've always been an advocate for, please don't repeat yourself. Try, try something new, go a little bit deeper, do, do something different. And, uh, and if, you know, if, if, if there's value there, I'll, I'll stick with you a hundred percent. Dude, that's, and, and, and one more, one more band to that example, Arctic Monkeys. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think it was, I, I, I kind of fell off the, the track. I have to get back to it. I have a website where I review every album that I own, like a physical copy of. And, uh, I went through okay. all the Arctic Monkeys and I hadn't listened to them all in a while. And man, there are hidden gems. Everyone, you know, that first album is such a classic. It's just such a a statement. Nothing sounded like that. The syncopation, the way the rhythms work, just the attitude was great. And then you get into the later stuff, um, favorite worst nightmare, suck it and see humbug and things like that. AM. Um, and they're always compared to that first album, but give them enough time. Man, they're so good. I, I, I unequivocally love the Arctic monkeys. Yeah. I mean, and I, 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 I love, I mean, the first album is like a desert Island album for me. Um, I didn't really like another album of theirs until AM came out. I mean, you know, like I, I, you know, there were songs here and there, but in terms of being able to listen to an album all the way through, it's whatever people say I am and then AM for me, but I respect them for not, as, as you say, not doing the same thing. They're always exploring and trying Um, something different. Yeah. Yeah. So good on them. Good on them. Honestly, um, respect for that. So we have one more overlapping pick and man, Um, why don't, why don't you intro us? This because when we talked last year um, about our favorite albums of the year, last year was the year that I started to get into country music. Um, I generally held it at arm's length um, the with the exceptions of, of like the obvious, like Johnny Cash. I love Johnny Cash. Um, some Hank Williams um, from back in the day. A little bit of Willie Nelson, but that's about that was about it for me. I wasn't a fan at all of kind of the new wave of country music, especially that kind of blue collar honky tonk. Well, let me get you me and my girl in my pickup truck and talk about, you know, the dog <laughs> type of stuff. Um, and then <laughs> there's those dogs. And again. then. Our uh, and, and then our our beautiful and fearless editor in chief over at Nine Circles, Josh Stewart, um, as a gift one day, sent me out of the blue a vinyl of the album Southeastern by Mr. Jason Isbell. He said, "Hey, Chris, this is one of my favorite artists. Uh, give this a shot. I think you'll like it." And it kind of, it, it blew my doors off and it kind of opened the world of country to me. And then Jason Isbell gave way to Sturgill Simpson. Uh, which gave way to a number of other um, artists, uh, including one that I'll be talking about a little bit later on. But it all started with Jason Isbell for me. And I went from there uh, to the Nashville Sounds with his band, um, the 400 Unit. And uh, lo and behold, um, this year, Reunions came we're out. we're leaving town again. We're moving out, moving in. Gotta break news to all my friends, but they won't care. They'll just find another face to fall behind, take my place, and run way up past second base and just stand there. Dreams sick on a summer night in a folding lawn chair. Witches ring around the moon, better get home soon. 
and it's a little bit different than everything I had grown accustomed to. I, I went into the back catalog and uh, his albums with drive by truckers. Now I'm a massive drive by truckers fan because of the fact that he was yeah. there and I started to dive into that stuff. Um, but my favorite stuff is always him. He's an incredible good guitar player. He is of that kind of outlaw singer songwriter tradition where it's really just, it's about him and his point of view and, and, and his perspective and reunions at first, I'll be honest, it didn't hit me. Um, it's very beautiful. It's very quiet. It's very introspective. And for all those reasons, I was like, oh, it's, boy, this is really good. I can appreciate this, but it wasn't connecting. And then just to your point, sometimes after you come off some huge albums, um, all of a sudden it, it took a little while, but what have I done to help Dreamsicle? Um, for me, um, running with our eyes closed, all of a sudden these out, these songs started to connect in a way that I couldn't imagine. And, uh, if, if there is a, a, a discovery for me in 2020, it's, it's this type of music. It's, it's this type of country music. Um, it, it's funny because when we talked about 2019, we, we talked about Sturgill Simpson. I think we'll be talking about him again today, but we, we, we talked about sound and fury, which both of us loved, but you had it on your list. I didn't even realize this other album, but my actual favorite album of 2020, the one that I listened to more than any other album is this guy named Paul Cawthon. And the album Room 41, okay. which is, you know, of the same ilk of a Sturgill Simpson or Jason Isbell country album. It's my wife's favorite, <laughs> favorite album of almost all time. But again, it's that same kind of holy fire, you know, fire and brimstone country personal perspective. And listening to reunions now and going through the entire thing, um, God, it's heavy. It's heavy and it's deep. And it's really talking about just a feeling and a sense of place that few people can describe like Jason Isbell can. And uh, it's been on constant rotation for me that since I really kind of fell into it. Yeah. I, and I, I, I actually, I'm with you about it, not sticking uh, initially. I, I remember I, I, I don't know. I wasn't, I don't want to say put off by, but um, the opening track, what have I done to help just, didn't really and it's seven hit minutes long at almost. first i mean it's, it's a it's a long time yeah. to not hit you yeah and and i i just i was like ah okay but you know it's it's jason isbel i didn't want to just toss it aside i i toss it aside delete it from my <laughs> playlist queue in spotify come on it's the 21st century here um but I, I I kept it in that queue and I kept going back to it and yeah it was is the same thing stuff like um, dream sickle stuff like running with our eyes closed um, be afraid yeah, I love to um, you know just they they gradually like they find their way he he's just he's got such a talent as a songwriter it finds its way into your um, you know into your good graces into your you know your just just consciousness yeah. constantly and. Um, yeah, I, I just fully appreciate it. And I, I'm a big fan of both his 400 unit stuff and, you know, to your point, Southeastern, something more than free, which was yes. right after Southeastern on, on a solo basis. That was actually my intro to him. Um, I came to Southeastern afterwards. Um, but I mean, and even the stuff he does with the 400 unit is is just it's 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 all good. I mean, this is this is a supremely talented songwriter, guitar player, um, vocalist, everything. I mean, it, it it's it's 
phenomenal stuff from a phenomenal yeah, and that, dude. you know, speaking of that, like if I've I've watched a lot of his videos online. Um, because I found that in 2020, I only have the, the attention span for YouTube videos, apparently. So I watch a lot of Jason <laughs> Isbell. I mean, the dude is an incredible guitar player. Um, but the thing that really, that's probably not as readily apparent on reunions as it is on some of the other albums that, that, that he's played. This is not a guitar focused album, even though there's a lot of guitar on it, but, um, for my money in terms of vocalists, he's one of the best vocalists out there right now. There is such an authenticity and a pain, um, to his voice. Um, and if you read about his life and just the problems he's had with, with drugs and that's the thing about country music with these artists in particular that I'm really drawn to, you kind of hear the stories in the songs and in their lives and how his, his wife, um, Man, I hope I get this name right because I'm not looking at it and I've already a couple of glasses of wine in. Amanda, Amanda Shires. Yeah, I was going to say Allison, so I wasn't sure. I knew it was Shires. But how she kind of brought him out yeah. of his drug and alcohol addiction and she is uh, a, an incredible songwriter and singer in her own right. If you've ever heard any of her um, solo stuff, it's fantastic. He's on a lot of it. But yeah. um yeah, her work with him on this is fantastic. Um, another name to to point out because again, I I talked about one of the largest themes for me in all my albums is production. Um, Dave Cobb, uh, who produced this, who produced all the greatest uh, Sturgill Simpson albums, who's going to pre-produce one of the other albums I'll talk about later. Um, this is such a beautifully produced record. It is lush. It is gorgeous. You hear the ringing of every string on every guitar strum. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, quiet album. Um, and it's, it's one of the things I needed the most in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't really say much more than that. It's, it's, it's worked its way in, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) So, so I think that ends, that ends our, our overlapping portions Mm -hmm. of the list. Um, I, I I don't know how, how you want to do it. If you want to talk about a few albums, I I've been kind of like, as we've been going, I've been kind of like organizing my, my notes into like themes here where, you know, there's, there's two or three albums that, that kind of all tie into a a theme. We can try and do that. We can try and do individuals, however you want to do it. Um, how how do you want to take, here's what I want to do. (laughs) Cause I, I, I've been thinking a lot because we, we're not, we're not just improvising this folks at home. We have a, we have a firm agenda. No big deal. So, um, yeah. <laughs> full transparency. We shared lists with one another. Um, and there was not a lot of yes. overlap, which I freaking loved. Um, and as I was looking through your list and I was listening to a lot of your stuff, a lot of questions kind of came up in my mind. So what I'd like to do is why don't you kick it off with whatever you want to, cause I think it's going to draw a couple of questions that I have just about how you're approaching music in the year of our Lord 2020. So why don't you go first and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of alternate some albums and some ideas. I have a couple, excuse me, that I've grouped together in, in themes as, as well, but I have a couple conversation starters that I really want to probe into with your picks. So you go first. Okay. So I broke it into four, four themes, I guess <laughs> one of them, one of them, I'll just start off cause it's the easiest. It has the fewest, entries in it um one of them is is genre specific and uh the the genre in particular in terms of my highlights was was um shoegaze
two albums in particular stood out to me. Um, Hum uh, came back for the first time in 22 uh, yeah. <laughs> years uh, with their new album, Inlet. And man, that thing is just fucking good. It's heavy in the best ways, but it's not like overpoweringly so. It's got just enough of the atmospherics alongside the heaviness. Just absolutely fantastic. And then the other... The other big album of the, you know, the, the shoegaze kind of realm was um, Nothing, uh, The Great Dismal, Philly band. They've been around a while. I've been meaning to check them out for a while, but I finally did here with The Great Dismal. They're on Relapse Records, which is interesting because I, I, I think it must just be because they're they're from Philly. And I guess the guys are in, they have one of the guys from Jesus Pieces in the yeah. band now. Like there's some metal overlap, but they're not a metal band. They're a... a shoegaze band and a, a damn good one at that this this thing is great i want to go back and listen to like dance on the blacktop and tired of tomorrow now like their previous stuff because this thing really wowed me the song catch a fade um i know we were we were <laughs> you you were saying we weren't really gonna like talk about individual songs but catch a fade is absolutely <laughs> a, a a top song well, of the year for me I'm- we said that, and I said it, it was really me, be, but we're already talking about a ton of songs with all of our other picks. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so it, it, is this your first exposure to nothing? This is this is the first time I've listened to them. They've Okay. They've been in because my... They, they've been they in were my... heavier earlier. Oh, okay. Not incredibly heavier, but like it almost made more sense that they'd be on relapse when you listen to the earlier records. Um, but to your point um, about you loving this album, to me, this is their best album. Because it finally just eschews all the trappings of what came on before and just embraces that shoegaze aesthetic. Um, I'm a huge fan of the record as well. It's so good. It's so good. And yeah, I I just, I I really, between the two of them, I think I I, I got, um, from from both of them really, I got a lot of, um, there's a lot of riffs that really reminded me of um, Siamese Dream. Stuff from mm. stuff from Siamese Dream, which like if you're going for that that almost shoegazy that like early '90s alternative like aesthetic, um, I mean there, you, you I, I don't know if there are many higher compliments I could pay than be like, oh, this reminds me of Siamese Dream, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just you know what? just kind of <laughs> fuzzed out and rocking and <laughs> fantastic. If nothing else, thank you for that because I feel like it's almost a music sin to admit that you really liked some smashing pumpkins music dude they were a great fucking and band until Billy dream is one of the best albums of all t- i love that album with heart and soul it's so great and and yeah i i can feel like weird parallels to what billy corrigan and company were doing with that album it's 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 a man. It, it's a really strong album. Hum is I- interesting because so let me ask you this. Um, I was not. I, I didn't know about Hum at all. They were not a band that I was aware of. It wasn't a whole genre that I was aware of. Um, so when I listened to the album, because um, everyone was talking about it when it came out, because to your point, twenty twenty two years or something like that since the last album, I was like, oh, I'll listen to it, and it was good, and I enjoyed it, but. I wonder if for me it was a case of, well, I didn't know the band before and so many other albums that kind of maybe potentially have aped their style is where I'm more familiar with. So the impact to me wasn't as large as it maybe would have been if I had been a hum devotee for as long as I think other people had been. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about hum particularly was how much of your 
exposure to the band before and the legacy that they've created kind of play into what you feel about this album now? Well, <laughs> so I'll give you an easy answer. Um, I'm in the same boat as you. I didn't really know them before. Oh, okay. um, I heard people talking about it. This, I, you know, I saw, I saw they're a shoegaze band and I generally like, I like shoegaze music. Um, I'm a shoegaze boy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I listened to the album and then went, worked my way backwards. Um, and, I, I I thought it was I thought it was a great gateway. I mean, in, in terms of context, I didn't really have I didn't really have that uh, at the time because it was it was the first I had listened to them. But I thought it was a gate uh, a great gateway into wanting to dig up more of their old stuff and you know familiarize myself with the the stuff they had done in the past. Um, and it, it it scratched it scratched that itch for me. It was a little bit. Um, I, I think of the two of of between this and nothing, this is definitely the heavier album, which yeah, um, which I I appreciated. But um, you know, yeah, there there wasn't there wasn't that context. So I mean, if you know, if there's anybody listening to this that wants to call me a poser or whatever, I I don't care. <laughs> um, if there's anybody <laughs> listening to this, he says, yeah, I think Dan, you know, nobody listens to these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so. especially the non-metal podcast yeah right oh yeah yeah um but yeah no two two sides of that of the shoegaze coin that that really really scratched an itch for me this year so that's awesome yeah how about you all right what do we got what do we got well, on your end all right so i want to talk about a particular album that we have talked about at length uh, with a different perspective than I have on it now. So I want to see if your perspective has changed. Okay. Because, my friend, I have completely come around on Thundercats. It is what it is. I just brought a grill on top of the hill. And I brought a brand new ride. And I'm keeping it real. So a little bit of perspective. Explain. Um, I wasn't really aware of Thundercat before Drunk, right? Uh, which may have been my favorite album the year that it came out. I was completely unaware that there was a guy that was basically mixing jazz, prog, funk, and 80s Michael McDonald pop in one album and doing it with an aplomb that was basically unheard of. Um, it, it, it was, it was a revelation to me. It was such a revelation to me that I actually reviewed drunk on nine circles <laughs> because I, I was like, I need to talk about this album because it blew my mind. So I when remember, I remember you did that. I remember you did that <laughs> and I had not heard of Thundercat and I go in thinking it's supposed to be a, like, I, I, I saw the review across the site and I was like, Oh, Chris likes it. I'll listen to it. I didn't really, I, I, I didn't, I hadn't dug into the review. So I was like thinking it was going to be a metal album and there's a sinister looking guy poking his head out of the water on the cover. And I was like, yeah, that could be metal, right? No, not be. at all. <laughs> it's not metal, but it is amazing. Oh, it's, so yeah. it is what it is, was one of my most anticipated albums ever because of drunk. Um, and I was unimpressed when I heard it. Uh, it was cloudy. It didn't have the immediate hooks that drunk did. Um, it ends kind of abruptly 
and it just kind of felt, uh, to be honest, it, it, it felt underwhelming compared to the scope and ambition of drunk. But to your point with Touche Amour and Lament, it, it, it a little while later, I, I kept coming back to it because say what you want about the album at, at, at all. He's an incredible musician. So oh, yeah. No just his bass playing and his arranging is stellar. And I kept coming back and I started to listen a little bit deeper. And, uh, after a while, it just kind of clicked for me. It just kind of became, so the album, for those that aren't aware of its kind of context and, and background, it's basically an ode to, um, his friend Mac Miller who had died, um, kind of tragically. So there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of kind of pain tied into the album, even though there are tracks like, um, <laughs> like Dragon Ball do rag, right. <laughs> uh, which is ridiculously silly and funny and, um, black Qualls And I love Lewis Cole. Um, there are kind of poppy and hip hoppy moments to this album, but when I start to really kind of let it fold over me, and work more as like an ambient album and work more as like a wash of an album instead of a hit after hit after hit attack like drunk, I start to understand kind of the intent of the record. This is not meant to be a sequel to drunk. This is not meant to be drunk part two. This is, this is a, this is a painful album. This is an album of confusion and anguish and trying to play through it. And when you play through when you work through any type of tragedy and emotion like that, there are high points and there are, are, are low points. And when I took it on that level, it really connected with me. Um, the strongest songs are still the strongest songs. Dragon Ball Do-Rag is great and amazing. Black Qualls is fantastic. Um, I love Interstellar Love, which is the, the, the second track on the album. Um, later on, Existential Dread, which is a really quick thing, but it's just so kind of the way that it moves and feels like everything is under a blanket. Um, it in a weird way reminds me of black metal. When I started listening to second wave black metal, it just sounds like noise, low fi treble up to 10 noise. But when you really start to focus, all of a sudden you start to hear like my, my favorite example is Transylvanian hunger from dark throne. It, when you break it down and you take out some of the distortion, you actually play it because it's a really easy song to play, you're like, oh, crap, there's melody here, and there's ideas around chord structure that are kind of interesting. Um, when I let It Is What It Is wash over me and just play, after a number of times, these little things start to click in, these little chord choices and these melodic choices and these bass lines and these percussive moments, it became a bit of a salve to me. Um, is it drunk? No, it's not. It's, it's definitely not. It doesn't touch it, but it doesn't need to touch it. It, it. it is trying to do its own thing. And I found that I fell in love with it. So I know when we talked about it, um, you did not like this album and it was a disappointment to you. So did you ever go back to it? Like, like looking at it now, ha, ha, has your mind changed at all? And, and what do you think about it now? I'll be honest, I haven't. Aside from, you know, aside from a couple of songs here and there, like I, I enjoy um, Dragon Ball Do-Rag. I like, I love Lewis Cole, stuff like that. But the album as a whole, I haven't really revisited. But um, you kind of bringing up this context uh, kind of makes me want to give it another go. Um, you know, at the, the very least, you know, even if I don't 
come around to it, uh, I, I will be listening to however however long, um, you know, a, a, a half hour plus of stellar musicianship, right? So, yeah. you know, I, I, I may I may give it a another go around and see if uh, see if it starts to stick. So, <laughs> cool. yeah, I, I had not I had not uh, I, the the other the other thing the other thing that I I noticed this year was um, if. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just it it's it's I I've refined my listening a little bit, but usually I've gotten I've gotten to the point where if an album if I get like two, three, four songs into an album and nothing is sticking, I'm not really coming back to it a ton. Um sometimes, you know, there'll be an album where it's not fully sticking, but I I, I there there's you know, I I hear something there, and I'll I'll leave it in the queue. Like like Jason Isbell, for example. Yeah. Um. It 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 didn't didn't immediately hit me, but I knew it might down the road. Um. And and when albums just really haven't been doing it for me, I've just really not been going back to them. Um. So unfortunately, that was that was what happened with Thundercat here. But um. You know, I'll give it I'll give it another shot for sure, especially <laughs> on your on your recommendation here. So. Yeah, let it wash over you. Don't put the expectations you have on it that it, it's just not drunk. Yeah. And th- I'll never make the argument that it is drunk. Drunk is, it's just, it sits on a pinnacle, a pinnacle with fuzzy glasses and weird fur. Uh, you know, it's its its own wondrous thing. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. That it is. So the, ne- the next theme I think I have here is um, artists that... Artists that put out music that was sort of unexpected based on their trajectory. Um, and I'm, when I say unexpected, I mean unexpected stylistically. I don't want to be your personal Jesus. I don't want to live inside of that flame. In a way, I want to be my own believer. I don't want to play your video game. I don't want to be the center. The first up, I, I know we talked about this recently, was um, Sufjan Stevens, uh, The Ascension. Yeah. Um, a much more uh, electronic-influenced album. Uh, almost, you know, at times there's stuff there that reminds me of, like, freaking Vaporwave. Um, just just the, rhythmically, it's very, very different. And and um, just the way it's arranged, the way it's... it's um, you know, structured is just very different from what I would expect. And and particularly after Carrie and Lowell, which was just a melancholy singer songwriter folk album to the max and an amazing one at that. But, um, the Ascension is very different, but, um, I think he really nailed it. Um, I, I, I keep coming back to this thing, stuff like video games, stuff like, um, you know, like make me an offer I can't refuse, like right off the bat. I mean, it's it's tremendous stuff throughout. Um, speaking of kind of electronic stuff, um, John Frusciante, uh, guitar player for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who you know what the Red Hot Chili Peppers sound like at this point. John Frusciante comes out with a breakbeat album called Maya, which evidently is not the first time he's explored this realm, 
But he's done so much solo stuff that I've lost track of it all. So I didn't know he had yeah. jumped into this stuff before. Um, Maya is fantastic. It's really rhythmic and and just just drum heavy. Very very drum heavy. The the the, the beat is the focal point. Um, it, it's it that is also terrific. Different vein from that is is Tame Impala, who normally jumps into. I mean, they they get really like psychedelic, exploratory. A lot of the time, it doesn't stick for me. But their album, way back at the beginning <laughs> of the year, the Slow Rush. I don't think it's full on pop, but it's the closest they've ever been to a pop or mainstream sounding record. You know, and Kevin Parker has worked with pop stars in the past. I think he's worked with Rihanna. I think he's worked with a couple different folks since um, the last album came out. And, you know, the the old Tame Impala stuff hasn't always been my cup of tea. In fact, more often than not, it isn't my cup of tea. But this really (laughs) stuck with me. Borderline, Lost in Yesterday, One More Year. I mean, they, there's just real, it, it might be time. Um, there are so many good tracks on this thing. And it's it's just, it, it's it's fun. It's a fun <laughs> record. Like, I don't feel like I have to take drugs to enjoy this record. I can just enjoy it on its face. It's fantastic. And then the last for this category, uh, we, we touched on him briefly, Sturgill Simpson. He came back uh, late in the year with uh, the Bluegrass album. Yeah, Cutting Grass, which is just re reworkings of his old songs in a full on bluegrass style, which is yeah. a dramatic turn from what he had done. This, the almost kind of like glam blues stuff he had done with um, Sound and Fury last year, but it's terrific. It's it's stripped down and it's it's rootsy, but I just adore it. I, I Jen and I listened to the whole thing earlier today, uh, back to front, and it's it's just it's terrific. It's a great listen. So that's my that's my my next theme is kind of unexpected turns from okay. established artists. So I am familiar with most of this stuff. So I, I, I do want to talk about some of it and, and, and ask you a couple of questions. Sure. Um, let's start with the Sturgill Simpson. I, I, I love the album. Uh, <laughs> I love it to death. It's great. Um, I, I don't remember how I got turned on to Sturgill. It might've been from you. It might've been from Josh, but uh, I'm just a huge fan. I've got the entire back catalog and I'm a huge fan. Um, I, the only thing I'll say about the cut and grass is I hope this is not, a a long period for him i'm glad he got this out of the system i really enjoy it i now want him to go back to what he was doing before um but it's a great fun album to listen to but it's probably the album i listen to the least of his stuff i mean the 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 thing with sturgill is you he is one of if not the hardest people in music to have expectations for you know what i mean yeah. um and not not i mean I, I when i when i say that i mean i always have expectations of quality and he always meets them but stylistically you can't it's, really yeah. have expectations with him because everything is different right so my only hope is that that trend continues right we got yeah. the kind of new wave outlaw country then we got the melange prog opus that had funk and soul and r&b then we got the rock and funk record now we've got the bluegrass record let, I, I want to see what's next, but it's a great album. Yeah, I, I really so much fun. And even though it's all it's all old songs, like I I just I the 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 bluegrass interpretation is fantastic. Oh God, yeah. Songs. Well, and and it doesn't it doesn't surprise me at all because he's he's I mean he's a hell of a musician and his his band you, you know like I I you, you talk about how you got into them. It was right after um, Metamodern Sounds and Country Music came out and. Yep. Um, I think it was uh, Kim Kelly 
uh, was talking up a storm about it on Twitter and I got the album, really loved it. And then, um, saw him at governor's ball the next year. He and and his band came to governor's ball. His band is, I mean, his band matches him step for step. So like whatever he wants to do, uh, whether it's this bluegrass, whether it's the glam, the funk, you know, like you name it, like his band is going to be there with him and they're, they, you know, like they'll, they'll be able to, to carry the vision forward. I have no doubt. So, yeah. 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 He's a star without a doubt. Absolutely. Um, I, I can't really talk much about Tame Impala because one of the things I find funny is that uh, my favorite Tame Impala is the first album, Inner Speaker. I am a huge fan of that kind of psychedelic grunge. So I know that as he's gone more toward a, 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 a pop electronic kind of vision, he's kind of left me off. But uh, the little bit that I've heard of the slow rush, I like much more than the previous album. I was not a fan of the previous album at all. Yeah. Um, it, it really lost me. Um, can't remember what the single was for the slow rush. I don't think it was one more year, which is the opener. I think it was something else, but, uh, it's one that I, I keep in my library to go back to, um, the Sufjan I love, I just haven't had enough exposure to it. It's, it's funny that he, uh, it, it is a very different beast than Carrie and Lowell. Um, I, I'm not sure what's your exposure with Sufjan Stevens. Cause the, the thing that I thought as soon as I heard this was, I don't know if, if, if you recall, he was starting his kind of 50 States project. He did Michigan, he did Illinois and then kind of, kind of broke a little bit, <laughs> admitted he wasn't going back to it. So then the next big full length album was the age of ads, mm-hmm. which is very electronic and a very different kind of, uh, direction than where he was hitting previously. And I get shades of this, of that with this album, which I really like. I was a huge fan of age of ads. So this was just a question of the album just came too late for me to really dive into and appreciate, but everything on it, I really like. So is this kind of, was this new for you? Are are you connecting it to the older stuff? Do you have any experience with the older stuff with it? So I know, I mean, I know Illinois, I know, um, Carrie and Lowell, uh, I, I have not actually heard age of ads. So if, if there is a connection to be drawn between them, uh, it went right over my head. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, just the more electronic, uh, you know, edge is what I'm thinking of with the two. Correct. I, I get that sense here. Yeah. And based on the, based on the ones I had heard, this felt like much more of a departure than, Maybe it necessarily was, um, mm. but certainly a big whiplash from Carrie and Lowell at the very least. But yeah, I, I if, if there's if there's anything, any similarity between this one and Age of Ads, then I've got an album to add to my queue. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'll have to go back and I'll have to go back and visit that one. Let me throw then uh, if, if, if we're going to go through themes. I've got three albums that I can kind of group together Hit me. Uh, in, into one theme. So again, one of the things I talked about earlier was 2020 being the, I'm going to keep using different adjectives, the utter shithole that it has been of a year. Um, and if it was good for you, Hey, you know what? More power to you. Um, it sucked for a lot of people. And uh, I was one of those people. One of the things that I kept doing was retreating to what I grew up loving. Um, and I grew up loving a lot of different things, but one of those things was Prague, uh, particularly seventies Prague. Uh, I am a sucker for give me heavy keyboards. You gave me 13 minute instrumentals with, um, choirs and, uh, you, you know, talk boxes and weird shit like that. I am all for it. Um, three albums came out today 
uh, not today, this year, <laughs> which <laughs> just today, and they're all just on today, my guys, end of your list. Uh, <laughs> I have just finished the bottle of wine that I started this uh, podcast with, so it's only going to get more unintelligible. <laughs> but um, Prague made a huge kind of influence on me th- this year. New bands are coming out and sounding so authentic to the sound of the 70s. So I want to bring three up. Okay. The first one, um, probably the biggest one in terms of name, is a band called Wobbler and their album Dwellers of the Deep. Actually, on the website, our own podcast, Impressionaro uh, Buke is a huge fan of this because he says it sounds like Opeth. Um, I'm not quite there. He was like, this is what Opeth is aiming for. And, and it's not really that. It's really, what if a band took the extravagance of like Jethro Tull and Yes and merged it with a very modern rock sensibility. Um, and, 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 and they were extremely indebted to yes at, at the same time. That's kind of what Wobbler is. They're on a, uh, a label called charisma records. It's, I mean, it is what it sounds like. There are 13, 14 minute songs and it's, it's got incredible harmonized choruses and vocals and, incredible interludes and and it's just if if 70s prog is your cup of tea wobbler is something that you need to to check out okay. uh likewise the band zop zop was something i was not familiar with at all a friend of mine at work was like hey you like 70s music you should check this shit out it's new all right well what are they called they're called zop well you're not giving me a lot with the name zop <laughs> But when I put it on and checked it out, it's on Bandcamp, which is weird. Not a lot of prog rock on Bandcamp. When you think of what Bandcamp kind of caters to, you don't think of that type of music. But both Wobbler and Zop on Bandcamp. Uh, This is, again, very heavy, analog, 70s-inspired instrumental prog rock um, that's just done the way you want it to be done. There's not a lot of modern touches to it. There's not a lot of, I'm going to put some electronics in to cater to the kids. It is just very much an authentic, um, improvisatory structured jam. Uh, so, Hey, we we made the fish (laughs) comparison earlier. Um, if you don't like fish, maybe you're not going to like this, but it's, it's, it's got something that a lot of, prog rock today doesn't have which is that air of sincerity that air of authenticity uh so definitely recommend it the last one i'm going to talk about really briefly because they're also on my metal end of year list and that's a band i only discovered this year called and i'm sorry for the name because it's kind of a silly name but that's kind of what i love about it sergeant thunderhoof so Sergeant Thunderhoof is a prog stoner rock band that uh, I'm going to just spoil it right now. They're number two on my list for the end of year metal list for an album that they put out with Howling Giant. Uh, but wow. they also put out a month or two ago an album called The Delicate Sounds of Thunderhoof. And if that name sounds familiar, it's probably because you're a huge Pink Floyd fan. And you know the delicate sounds of thunder. Well, this is an entirely acoustic progressive rock album that they put out. And man, 
it's just wonderful. It's just, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's one of those things where, uh, Hey, you like Pink Floyd? You're going to fucking love this album because it is, it's all acoustic. It's an entirely a- acoustic album. Um, but it's progressive and heavy and kind of stonery and kind of rock and rolly. The vocals are fantastic. They're a band based in the UK. Um, I'm not hearing a lot about them, but man, they put out two albums this year that just completely blew my mind. And both albums are the complete polar opposite of each other. So a band that has that level of flexibility and that level of dexterity to be able to kind of work in different genres like this is, is something to celebrate. So if you're looking for something of that, that nature, again, I can't recommend the delicate sounds of Thunderhoof enough, probably a little bit more than Zop and Wobbler, which are very much in the vein of, I like, yes, I like Jethro Tell. You'll probably like those albums, but if you like really good, just kind of chill music, check out Sergeant Thunderhoof. This album is a, is a beautifully quiet beast of a record. Interesting. <laughs> so my question to you, after after hearing these descriptions and and maybe applies less to uh Thunderhoof based on the fact that you know in the same year they put out two very different sounding albums but the other two uh Wop and Hop and Wobbler <laughs> Wop and Hobbler <laughs> Zop and Wobbler Zop and Wobbler <laughs> sorry <laughs> um all the Italians are after us now yeah right <laughs> um you you talk about them aping seventies progressive style, but maybe not aping, but but you know going for that aesthetic. I'm curious, mm-hmm. like are, are these are these newer bands? Do they have prior releases, and and how do those prior releases, if if they exist, yeah. evolve? Because you you talk about a band being progressive, and yet mimicking or you know just taking such a taking a strong influence from a sound and an era in particular like the 70s inherently is is a little regressive right right so how do they how have they how have they um you know what's what's their trajectory been like as bands have you have you dug deeper into either of them or i i have so zop it was very easy because this is their debut album Oh, okay, perfect. Um, and 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 we should make very clear that when we talk about progressive rock or prog rock in this instance, we are not talking about being actually progressive in their music, which would be definitely the case for a band like Over, which is constantly progressing and being progressive in their in their in in, in their search for a kind of a musical goal, which is never going to be found, right? Which is, which is in, in, in incredible. When I talk about progressive rock here, I am literally talking about a, a staid, uh, 70s genre that died out in like 1975, 1976. So there is nothing progressive about the search for the music that they're doing. They are very much aping a sound, and that sound is from 1971 to about 1974, primarily in England. That's what they're going for. They're going for, yes, they're going for Jethro Tull. They're going for, you know, all of those, uh, all of those bands that kind of aped that sound in that time period. The difference is they make no concessions to modern sound. So there's no like, hey, let's try to be as rocking as we can and let's put in modern production techniques. These things sound wonderfully analog. They sound wonderfully 
whole. It sounded like they were recorded to tape. They sound like they were in the 70s. They're not using Pro Tools. I mean, they probably are because it's 2020. Who the hell is... Besides me, who's you? Who's who's not using Pro Tools to make their records? Um, and you, Jack Jack um, White is going to come out with like a, yeah, an album Jack he recorded like, on a I use on a I use Sony a, tape recorder, <laughs> something like that. I use a rock and a with cane a soapbox to guitar to my music. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, th- these guys are sincerely aping a very particular time and place. The thing that I really love about it is a lot of bands try to do that and then they, tr- but they, they don't sound sincere when they do it. They, they sound like a modern band trying to ape an earlier era. The thing that I love about Zop and Wobbler is, um, and Wobbler has about four albums right now. I I've done their, their most recent and the two prior to that. Okay. Um, it sounds like th- they were you know, grew up in the late fifties and sixties and started making music in the seventies. It sounds like that. It doesn't feel like a modern album, okay. which is what I love. But what I do love about the two albums is they have a modern production. So everything is expressive and clear and sounds full and sounds robust and, and, and sounds organic. Um, it doesn't have that modern, like, Dream Theater plays prog rock, but you would never think that Dream Theater was around in 1971. Sure. Right? These bands feel very much like they grew up in that era and are performing in that era, even though they're very modern. And it hits, you know, selfishly for me, it hits a very nostalgic note for me. Um, I think I, I talked about this with you years ago when we did uh, first last always. And I talked about kind of like my musical, you know, how I grew up musically and I grew up as a kid listening to like classic rock and then got into hair bands and metal. And then when I became 17, 18, I, I met a couple of my best friends at the time who were musicians and they introduced me to prog rock. They introduced me to yes and Jethro Tull and blue oyster cult and all these other bands. And it was one of the most pivotal moments of my life to find a whole era of music that I never knew about um, fusion jazz and regular jazz and things like that. And when I listened to Zop and I listened to Wobbler and even to a certain extent, Sergeant Thunderhoof with, with the way that they uh, tackle their acoustic stuff. Um, I feel an authenticity there that I don't feel with other modern bands trying to do the same thing. So that's okay. the biggest recommendation I can make for that stuff. Um, does it hit you emotionally? No, it hits me emotionally because that's something that was very personal to me. And Again, that was what I was searching for in 2020. I was searching for things that connected to me to a time and place that was safer and was um, better, you know, than it was this year. And those albums did it for me. Cool. Okay. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to throw shade on either of them. I was just, just How know, dare for, you, for, for the record. I was just, <laughs> just curious, just curious. No, not at all. I didn't take it as such. Okay, cool, cool, cool. My next theme is is a little. It's it, it's how do I, how, how do I want to describe this? It's it's um, smaller in scope and scale than the previous one. It's just bands and artists that I like doing the kind of stuff I like them for and doing it well. And there are four in this in this grouping too. Right off the bat, someone we both know and love, believe you are wearing a shirt of as we speak. That would be uh, Mr. Jeff Rosenstock. I purposely wore this shirt because we were going to talk about No Dream. <laughs> no Dream. Don't you want to go?
God damn, it was just exactly what I needed from from Jeff Rosenstock. Especially especially in this year where live music is set aside and someone who is so someone who's who's not able to perform shows. I mean, if, if for any artist, it, it's going to be difficult for them this year. But but for someone who thrives so much in the live environment like Jeff Rosenstock, I feel like this was him, you know, his his war cry his just blowing off the all the steam that he wasn't able to do in concerts this year because there were no concerts it's terrific it's got a really excellent album opening punch the first three tracks up to uh up to scram uh i forget what the what the first song is called but nikes and scram no time no time Yeah, yeah 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 and then you get into like leave it in the sun you get into ohio turnpike which is just totally um if if that's not a top like two or three jeff rosenstock song then reevaluate your jeff rosenstock rankings because (laughs) jesus christ it's good yeah absolutely tremendous um run the jewels rtj4 just just ferocious just politically socially conscious uh but also catchy as all hell hip-hop from a just Super group of all super groups, uh, Killer Mike and LP, um, with some terrific guest spots. Zach De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine, Mavis Staples guested on a song. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's just right. it's it's terrific, absolutely killer. Listen, one that we talked about last year in a different guise, uh, Mike Kinsella, who is in the band American Football, uh, which was on my list last year. He has another mm-hmm. project called Owen, which put on an album, The Avalanche, this year. That was that got a shit ton of mileage from me. Uh, much uh, a little more stripped down, a little more subdued than I guess the kind of post rocky kind of atmospheric tendencies that the last American Football album had, but very very good. And then uh, on the synth side, one of my favorite artists in synthwave, Phaserland, put out uh, an EP of sorts, I guess. It was called Inside Architecture Library Volume 1. I don't know if it's supposed to be like his take on wow. on Muzak or whatever that you would hear in some sort of 80s architectural setting. But whatever it is, it's damn good. Reminds me of the best of like early Bart Graft, uh, intentionally dated, <laughs> but but just such a pleasure to listen to. So yeah, artists I like, doing the shit I like them for. That's my third theme. That's, that's, that's great. You know, it's, it's funny that we don't, we're not talking about Bart Graft this year because the, I know he's a favorite of both of ours and he definitely put out stuff this year. Um, synthwave and electronic music was probably the hardest thing for me to grasp this year not that there wasn't a lot of good stuff but it just wasn't again we 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 kind of you know i'll say this again and again i kept retreating to what was comforting to me and what was comforting to me was more organic stuff um man in another world uh you know if we were talking more no dream is probably on my list. It's so great. Uh, you introduced me to Jeff Rosenstock, so I mean, I mean, I have you to thank for it. Um, I've had the pleasure of seeing him in concert, and it was one of the greatest concerts I've ever seen. That guy works harder than almost anyone I know live, and No Dream is freaking phenomenal. It's just, it's just a great record. Run the jewels for such it's just it, it's such a good record it's really good um hip-hop and rap was something that took a huge backseat for me this year to be honest um but when that album came out 
it was one that I definitely paid attention to, loved, listened to for a time. Um, the only reason it's not on my list is because, again, I, I really chose stuff that was a little bit more nostalgic for me and and hit me in an emotional place, whereas Run the Jewels 4 was just, God damn, that's a good fucking album. And it's just stellar. Well, and it's also an album by of and for 2020, which if you're trying to find something that's more exactly. comforting and, and um, you know, that, that, you know, can put you more at ease, that ain't it. Yeah. It's a great album, but that it, it's not going to put you at ease. I don't think. <laughs> no, 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 not really at all. Um, it's interesting because as I, I got to listen to a lot of the albums that were on your list, Owen was not one of them, but now that I know that it's, that it's from the, it's, it's kind of a part of American football, which I also wasn't familiar with until your list last year, which turned me on to it. Now I am like doubly interested in checking that out because I, again, American football, we're vastly different in age. So American football was a band that kind of passed me by, um, by the time they were kind of doing their thing. But when I listened to them last year after your list, man, I really liked it. So Owen, has now kind of jumped to the top of my list of something I have to check out as soon as we're done with this episode. Yeah. And it's, it's not, I think I, I think I maybe I, I, I maybe when I, in my initial description, I maybe like cast it as more of a departure from American football than it actually is. Um, it, it's, it's a different, different manifestation of that style. Uh, okay. You know, I put it on, it wasn't as the production is different and the, the arrangements are different, but I put it on and I, I, just I, you, you knew right away. It's like, oh, this is the guy from American football. Like, like okay. it's just it's it maintains that aesthetic, um, just that that overall feel. And um, man, there are some just absolutely terrific songs on here. Um, the contours in particular uh, is just a really uh, it's just a a tender romantic song that I just I absolutely um, absolutely adore. So. Um, cool. yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. Let me group another two, uh, together for my next one. And this is, uh, classic artists that have been around for 40 plus years, putting out some of the most vital albums of their career. Today and tomorrow and yesterday too, the flowers are dying. Like all things do Follow me close I'm going to Bali and Ali I'll lose my mind If you don't come with me I fuss with my hair And I fight blood feuds I contain multitudes um, so I'm going to do the one-two punch of Bob Dylan's Rough and Rowdy Ways and Elvis Costello's Hey Clockface. Uh, so to just quickly understand, again, my upbringing, uh, I'm close to 50 years old, uh, but most of my life up until I was about 17, 18 was just filled with regular classic rock of the 70s and uh, hair metal. And then kind of in 1990, 1991, I met a couple of guys who were just they inspired me. They started me making music. They introduced me to a whole range of things. Bob Dylan and Elvis Costello were two of those things. Um, and to this day, those are probably two of the largest artists in my life, uh, just in terms of their impact on me. Um, I remember as a kid, 
someone giving me a tape of Elvis Costello's first two albums, My Aim is True and This Year's Model, and saying, this is guilt and rage. Uh, that's what he subtitled these. Listen to this and it'll change your life. And it changed, it literally changed my life. Um, and then Bob Dylan, you know, everyone knows Bob Dylan. He's the guy that talks like this. And, uh, you know, but there's so much more beyond that. And just going through the different levels of Bob Dylan from the folk guy, uh, to the guy who changed electric when everyone wanted him to be folk to the Christian guy, to the soundtrack guy, to the bootleg guy, to the guy who worked with the band. Um, these are people who could easily just retire on the body of work that they've put out and not have to worry about a goddamn thing. I'll just very briefly talk about Elvis Costello, Hey Clock Vice, because it, it's it's fairly recent. Elvis Costello has consistently kind of challenged himself uh, from being like the post-punk rocker to the guy who worked with Burt Bacharach to do kind of like loungy songs, to working with jazz guys like Alan Toussaint, uh, to doing kind of country western stuff, to writing an opera, um, to... Um, just kind of moving in all these, he worked with the roots a couple of years ago and put out a collaborative album with, with, with the roots. Hey, Clockface is kind of a, it's, it's a little bit of a return to the kind of rock and roll that he's been known for. Um, it just, it just feels, it just feels good. It feels like the Elvis Costello who kind of came about in the nineties with brutal youth and this year's model, uh, not this year's model. That's from the seventies, but uh, all this useless beauty is what I was thinking of. Um, there's just a lot there. Listen to things like uh, No Flag, They're Laughing at, at Me Now. Um, one of the later tracks that I really like, Radio is Everything. He's he's still, you know, at his age, he's still putting out stuff that is, it is, it's, it's, it's vibrant and it's alive, even if it's not particularly your, your thing. Um, the thing that I really want to talk about is Bob Dylan, uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways. This is a guy who... He could have stopped making music in 1973 and been an immortal. Um, he didn't. He kept making music. Some of it sucked, uh, <laughs> but some of it didn't. He had just come off of like five or six years of doing like songbook stuff, a lot of Frank Sinatra things and 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 doing a lot of covers. And then all of a sudden, Rough and Rowdy, Rays, uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways comes out. And if we're going to talk about Rough and Rowdy Ways, we got to talk about the fact that the first single was a 17-minute track called Murder Most Foul. Again, this is a guy who's like, I literally have no fucks to give. So my single is going to be 17 minutes long. Um, and his voice is not what it used to be. Some people would say his voice was never any good. But there's just something about it. There's something about the vulnerability, the, 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 the cracks, the, the non-professional, just kind of nasal quality to his voice that always spoke to me. It spoke to me ever since, uh, the first album I ever heard of his was bringing it all back home. Um, because, uh, it had subterranean homesick blues, which the red hot chili peppers had done. And I was a chili peppers fan. So let me check out this Bob Dylan cat. And then from there, I went to Highway 61 and I went to one of my favorite albums of all time, Blood on the Tracks, and just kind of went from there. Um, you start with I Contain Multitudes. You hear a guy who is quite obvious nearing the end of his career, if not his life. And you hear a guy kind of reconciling that. You hear a guy who is looking back over 50, 60 years 
of art and thinking about what it means and thinking about what he still has to give in the year of 2020. And it's an old album. It's a rickety album. It's an album that's held together by string and gut and blood. And it's one of the most uh, emotional albums I heard this year. Very similar to me to Fiona Apple, even though it's incredibly different in tone and in style and in production. Um, it's an incredibly personal album. It's one that resonated with me. So I, I can't objectively speak to its praises because if you don't like Bob Dylan, ain't no way you're going to like this album. This album is not going to change your mind. Uh, but I would be lying if I said this album did not have a galvanizing impact on me in 2020. So I, I, I had not heard, I didn't, I did not know that Elvis Costello put out a new album. Um, and quite it's, frankly, it's very recent, like within the last month, I think oh, okay. it, it, it came out in like October. Okay. End of October. And um, I, I'll, I'll admit I haven't heard nearly enough of his discography to, um, you know, I, I, I love my aim is true. I love this year's model, but that's, that's all I've heard. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's an artist that I've, I've needed to dig deeper into for a long time and just haven't gotten to yet. Um, Dylan, I, you know, again, I, I, I know the albums, I know the classics, um, you know, highway 61, blonde on blonde, blood on the tracks, um, time out of mind, stuff like that. But I have always respected Dylan more than I've necessarily liked him. It it makes sense. And it's funny because you, you mentioned um, time out of mind. Think of this as another time out of mind, right? Because time out of mind came after to me, kind of a fallow period in Dylan's career. When time out of mind hit, it was like, Whoa, Hey, this guy still got something to say. Um, and I think there's been a few years for me personally, where I felt like Dylan Hey, maybe he was done. Let let him play his covers and his interpretations of Sinatra and big band and swing. It's not my thing. I'm not going to hit it. And then when rough and rowdy ways hit, I was like, Oh, this is, this is my time out of mind again. It's like, Oh, I've still got shit to say and I want to talk about it. Hmm. Um, but I, I, I readily admit this is not for everyone. If you don't have that history, I don't know that this is going to change your mind to be fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think he's, I think he's an incredible songwriter. Um, I, I've, I've seen him in concert. He, he played in, in Syracuse my, my freshman year, like the first month I was up at school. Um, and I, I went and I saw him because I was, as a music fan, I felt like it was one of those things you should do as a music fan. If you get the chance to see Bob Dylan for $30, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm glad I did. I don't ever want to again. Um, it was, it was not great, <laughs> but, but I can a hundred percent believe that. <laughs> yeah. But it was actually, but funny enough, it was, it was Dylan and Elvis Costello touring together. Um, <gasps> Dylan, Dylan with his band and Elvis Costello doing solo acoustic. And it was, it was great. It was great. Definitely enjoyed Elvis more, but, but I mean, it was, it was a, a, a good experience to have and, you know, you you've realized, even though it, it sounded like shit, um, it was partially that was down to the the, the venue. The venue was god awful. Uh, <laughs> War Memorial at On Center in Syracuse, um, but it was you, it, all the while you, you you felt like you you felt like you were seeing history, and and 
it was hard. You, you couldn't not appreciate it. So, yeah. um, you know, kudos to him for, for putting, put, you know, just continuing to, to do what he wants and, you know, letting inspiration strike him the way it will, even at what, I mean, he's, I think he's gotta be close to 80 now. Right. Probably. Um, you know, just, he sounds like he's 120. So, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> So hey, good good on him. I, I I'm I'm happy I'm happy for him. That I'll uh, say this, this though because success. you because you brought it up as a joke, but man, Elvis Costello sounds as good as he ever did. That guy's voice. I mean, he's got a very unique voice. So if you don't like that voice, you're not going to like anything Elvis Costello does. Dude still sounds just as good as he ever did. Bob Dylan sounds like he might, you know, have more than one foot just in the grave. Most 80% of his body might be in the grave, but Costello sounds just as good as he always has. Man, his voice is just aged like a fine wine. That's awesome. Good for him. Good for him. He's what he's, gosh, he's getting up there. He's 60, 65, 66. I'm looking it up now. And, uh, Bob Dylan is, uh, he's 80 years old. Almost. He'll he's uh, 79. currently. Hey, you know what? Good. Good for him. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he's. I'm glad More he's still doing him. his thing. I'm glad he's still doing his thing. McCartney. Costello's only sixty six. Okay, he's still vibrant. Paul, hey, Paul McCartney's getting up there. I, I think he's probably pretty close to eighty, and he has a either has a new album out or is putting or, or just came out. Yeah, um, did it come 3? out? Yeah, yeah. McCartney three is supposed to be coming out. That's something that I want to investigate because I love McCartney. I love the Beatles. McCartney solo has always been a little bit distant for me and I want to, but I don't know why that is. I, I, I can't quantify the reason. So I, that's, he's one of the guys in 2021. I'm going to commit to kind of diving into the solo stuff and try to figure out what, what's going on there. Yeah. I think, um, I forget, I forget how many years ago it was, it was seven or eight years ago. Now he put out an album called new, which I really, really enjoyed. Had a bunch of great songs on it. Queenie Eye. Uh, I think there was one called Early Days that talked about him and Lennon's, uh, like like the beginning of their friendship, but also all the yeah. stuff the media gets wrong about them. Um, which was kind of it was kind of like a fuck you to the media for like all their all their shenanigans about them. Really sure. good stuff. Uh, I can bet was another good song on that album. So I. I it, McCartney's another one that you know, even at an advanced age, still has stuff to say, and still, um, you know, no fucks given. He's going to do what he wants to do, and yeah. um, and also still sounds fucking awesome. I saw him. I saw him at uh, uh, the Meadowlands about four four years ago, five almost five years ago. Oh and man, god damn, he sounds fantastic. Um, well, awesome. I think I think I have I have one more. I think this is kind of a cop out as a theme, but uh, this is this is artists I had never really listened to before this year that uh, that wowed me. And, you know, I, I d- despite the wanting to lean more towards comfort food and towards, you know, what I know and what was familiar and what felt safe. I did still find time to check out some new artists this year uh, or new new for me. Anyways, top of my list. Uh, I got to talk about this one because it's, it's probably my favorite synth album. Um I don't want to say favorite, but I, it's the synth album I got the most mileage out of this year. Jesse Fry uh, put out an album called Kiss Me in the Rain. All my dreams are broken. Mama boo, mama boo. Thought the sun was golden. Mama boo, mama boo. 
fantastic 80s pop. Um, there's some stuff that sounds like Cindy Lauper. There's some stuff that has like more of a, a modern edge to it. Just the whole aesthetic is great. Um, had never she'd been around a little bit. I had never really listened to her before, but this album like made me a fan. Oh, okay. Highly recommend. Also on the electronic side, Caribou from up north in Canada put on an album called Suddenly. Yes. I don't know a ton about Caribou, but this album really wowed me. Um, I've had it in near constant rotation since it came out. Very, very diverse sound. Uh, You know, just any, you know, within the electronic realm, he does a lot of different um, a lot of different things, a lot of interesting stuff. Big, big fan. Another one we've both talked about, Phoebe Bridgers, Punisher. She's been popular for a while. I had never really jumped in, but I really, really liked this album. I had heard so much about her, but didn't check her out until she was on your list. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah. She's fantastic. I, I know the end. I know the end. Uh, that is that is that is all you need to all you need to know. I mean, this yeah. this, this girl is, is she is she is something else. Holy crap! This record. <laughs> yeah, Margot Price was another one. She's been around a little bit, but thank I finally... you, sir. We need to talk about Margot Price. We, we, don't run her by for a second. Let's talk okay. about Margot Price for a second. Let's talk about Margot Price because uh, <laughs> so it. there so there are a few records that I was able to t- to check out that you. Um, put on your list. I checked out the caribou. The thing that I'll say about the caribou just really quickly. And then we'll, we'll move away is when they're do well, like sometimes they merged into kind of like electronic pop where it wasn't really my thing, but to your point, they kind of move into some weird, like each, some songs go in a weird direction. And when it gets really out there, man, I really liked it. Yeah, uh, they do some things with like overlapping voices that I thought was really weird, and like they heavily pan stuff. Yeah, yeah. man, when, when that stuff happens and it's more kind of ambient, experimental, I am totally in the zone with them. Well, I think you know it's it's funny. It's funny you mentioned the pop stuff doesn't do it for you. I think my favorite song on the album is the most ostensibly poppy, the uh, "Never Come Back." Well, that's what, um, so. So that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, just in terms of like this was the one question I had when I went through. So. You may talk about this stuff. You may not. So we'll let's hold Margot Price for a second because I got okay. shit to talk about with Margot Price. Okay. Um, I listened from you. Uh, I listened to Caribou. Okay. I listened to Denise Chela. I think is what her name is. Yeah. I listened to J Electronica. Okay. I listened to Eve's uh, Tumor. That was another one I was yep. going to highlight. I listened yep. to the 1975. Okay. Um, and I listened to, to Phoebe Bridgers, obviously, and the, the others I had known about, but, uh, but I specifically, those are ones I hadn't listened to before your list and I dove into. And one of the things that fascinates me about your taste is that you more than probably anybody else I know has an, an inroad into, I guess what I would call more than anything else. Like this may not be the right term for it, but more pop than anything else. You have an inroad and an understanding of pop music that I just can't fathom. So what I wanted to ask was just kind of with some of the things that have a more overt kind of pop aesthetic, where did that come from? How did you fall into that as something that appealed to you? Because it's something that 
I can recognize it sometimes. And there are things that are definitely pop that I kind of love. Um, if we talk about the 1975 at all, there's some stuff on there that I kind of blew. There's some stuff on there that I hated and stuff on there that I was like, this might be the most brilliant thing I've heard in the last five years, which is crazy. <laughs> I think that's the 1975 for me in a nutshell. Yes. There's stuff that I'm like, <laughs> God, just turn this shit off. And there's stuff that's like, holy crap. If they put an album of this out, it would be my favorite album of all time. Right. But what <laughs> what kind of, where was your inroad to pop? How, how did you get there? I think it's a couple different things off the top of my head. What, I'll, I'll start with the more recent one, the more recent example first. Uh, when I was in high school, I took, my high school had uh, limited music offerings. I mean, we had, we had, um, you know, chorus and jazz band and stuff like that as activities, but in terms of classwork, music offerings were, were relatively limited. Uh, but I took all of the music offerings they had music theory, one music theory, two. And then I actually did, excuse me, I did an independent study with, um, the music professor, my, my senior year, um, in just theory. And, I think the the theme that I took away from theory was, you know, learning about the history of music and, um, you know, intervals that lead uh, intervals and progressions and arrangements, voicings that lead to a feeling of resolution. And I think pop by nature is a genre and an aesthetic that feeds off that feeling of resolution. It has to, because these are, these are three, four minute songs. They need to just hit and get out and make way for the next, the next song. Right. What's my tonic and how can I get back to it? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, so there's that. And then I think the other, the other big thing, when I was a kid, my mom used to play lots of oldies and in particular Motown and, early Beatles. Uh, she was a big fan of a hard day's night up to help, like before the, the Beatles really got experimental. And I I've since grown to appreciate the, the more experimental out there excursions that the Beatles did more. But in terms of an introduction to music, I mean, you talk about perfect pop songs, a hard day's night, can't buy me love, help ticket to ride stuff like that that was my introduction not just to the beatles but really to music that was that's the first shit i remember listening to that wasn't like sesame street songs and stuff like that so i i think those two foundational experiences uh, that's that's what make me you know that that's what has has everything leading back to pop and to resolution and and that sensibility I okay. Yeah. I love it. I, 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 it, it's something that I want to dive into because I think there's so much potential there. I just need to find the right pieces. So when I listen to something like some of the tracks on caribou, like I, I could sense it and I, I, I could feel that it's not a dead, it's not a dead genre. Like you hear on the radio, there's so much room for experiment and improvisation in that pop structure that really, really work. So I'm always fascinated to kind of see what your picks are and to be able to kind of find where those pieces will strike within me. Um, and I definitely found a couple of those on some of these albums. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, it's funny you mentioned the 1975, I think like if like to your point, if the 1975 had a fucking editor, (laughs) 
There's something. (laughs) If they had someone who could be like, this does not need to be 90 minutes long. Cut some shit. So was this a bubble (laughs) album for you or were you still going to talk about this? This it, this this is not this is this is a a bubble I think um, okay. I, I I you know like I there's stuff on there you know like me and you together song is fantastic the song that they actually do with Phoebe Bridgers yeah G- Jesus Christ America whatever it is Jesus Christ 2005 God bless America yeah yeah that's a great song oh it's it's fantastic. What Should I Say might be my favorite song on the album. That's just that subdued electronic beat. I don't know. It it creates such a vibe. I, I adore that song. There's the the high points are so high and yet the low points are just like what am I listening yeah, to? Yeah, it's you know? so weird because when I turned it on, so you have the 1975, which is the Greta um, Thunberg speech. Yes, and I was I was totally I was like wow this is crazy like I've okay this speech but just the way it's put to to music and the orchestral score around it I'm like oh I am. I think I'm a hundred percent in on this and then people hits. And for a second, I'm like, Oh, this is touche more. This is, this is we're in hardcore territory. Holy crap. And then right. song three becomes Radiohead. Okay. Computer kid a. And I'm like, Holy shit. I am. I, this is, this might be the best album I've ever heard. This is amazing. And then it just kind of dropped from there a little bit and then picks back up and then drops again. Yeah. They need an editor, but my God, there is a, breath and scope to this music that even when it doesn't work i'm kind of in awe of it <laughs> i i have enormous respect for for maddie healy and the encyclopedia of musical touch points yeah that he has i mean I, I, i'm in awe of it quite frankly um i think you saw just as much of you know this the stylistic shifting on the last album on um, a brief inquiry into online relationships, uh, which came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but I think the overall quality never really dipped on that album. You know, he was trying different things. A hundred percent. It was trying different things. Like, you know, sincerity is scary. For example, from that album sounds nothing like two time, two time, two time sounds nothing like love it. If we made it, but they all, they're all just, you know, they're just a cut above. Um, they're just, they're just really good stuff uh, relative to the, a lot of the rest of what came out that year. This it's like when it's good, it's really good. Another one. I mean, another one on this one is uh, if you're too shy, let me know. I mean, that, that song is fucking transcendent. Yeah. It's you know, like Jesus Christ. But you know, then you get into like, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't really like people i don't really like i'm not nuts about the birthday party for example there's a lot of songs that just lose me and they do that experimentation but they don't hold me so credit to him for pursuing his many many musical interests um (laughs) but they just don't always stick on this one and so that's why like i think it's i think it's an honorable mention yeah i think you have to just for the scope of it but it's not i wouldn't i wouldn't 
put it on a best of list. I don't. Well, think. the thing that I find funny is even for me, like it didn't make my list. The fact that you put it on there and the fact that I got to listen to it now, I want to hear everything they do because it like it. Yeah, this is not a best of album, but there's so many ideas at play. There's so much thought and I'll say it. There's some genius behind the stuff that works that I want to hear whatever else this guy does next, because eventually there's going to be an album that is going to hit me in a way that the best albums of my life do. Like I, I see that potential here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you can't, you can't write songs that are as good as the best 1975 songs and not yeah. have exactly you you can't dismiss someone who can write songs like that yep i can i can i can say you know like mm, maybe tone it down a bit <laughs> exactly. but i i you know at the very least between between you know the, the the first album hasn't really held up but the second album i love it when you sleep into a brief inquiry into online relationships into this i mean they've earned yeah. the 1975 for me at least I, at the very least, a courtesy listen to anything yep. they do going forward. A brief so. inquiry is, I think, where I first heard them. Although I didn't give it the listen that I probably am going to now after our conversation today. Yeah, that one's that one's fantastic, and um, the the second album as well. I love it. I love it okay. when you sleep. I love it when you sleep. For you are so beautiful yet so unaware of it. That's the actual title. <laughs> which is I love. I love shit like that, man. That that, yeah. that that's great. That is a bit more. It's a bit more of a retro aesthetic. Um, okay. It's a little more dated sounding, but man, that they they nail that aesthetic. Uh, different kind of album, but very very good. Okay. So, yeah. So, do we want to talk about Margot Price now? Yeah. Let's talk <laughs> For, about Margot. Price. I forgot we were going to talk about Margot. Let's Price. talk about Margot Price. Yeah. Oh, or geez. as I like to call her, Stevie Nicks reincarnated. Because holy shit, this is fucking Stevie Nicks. I mean, is it not Stevie Nicks? I have it's to. I have Stevie to. Nicks. I have to do. I have to do a no comment because I don't like Stevie Nicks. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't is, listen. I don't listen to this Stevie Nicks. This is Stevie Nicks. Rumors era Fleetwood Mac to a T. Holy crap! I love. Like, I love. Marco I don't know Price. where this woman has been, but I'm like, all right. I've seen. You know what it is? I I, I am a avid glancer at pitchfork so every morning i go on to pitchfork and i check out okay what are you going to review today do i even fucking care because what are they being snarky about today yeah because pitchfork god goddamn, all you can freaking analyze are the lyrics because you you have no musical experience at all everything is about the lyrics but for the last month they have a little section that's i guess they're affiliated with another magazine called october Right. And for the last month, all it has said is Margot Price knows more about beer than you do. Read on in October. I never yeah. fucking read it. And then when you put this on your list, I'm like, well, now I got to fucking read it and I got to listen to this fucking album. And I put on the first song. That's how rumors get started. And I was like, oh, holy shit. This is a Stevie Nicks song. And she sounds fucking amazing. And then yeah. I listen for a little while longer. And then what I typically do when I listen to something for the first time, as I'm listening, I'm reading as much as I can about it. I'm like, oh, executive produced by our man, Sturgill Simpson. Yes, sir. Yes, and sir. And I kept going <laughs> and I got to Twinkle Twinkle and I kept going further. Yeah. with my headphones on. Oh, 
Twinkle is the it, yeah. Twinkle Twinkle could be on could be on Sound and Fury. I feel like yes, <laughs> it, it, it's a Sound and Fury song. Yeah. Uh, man, this this album. Thank you so much for putting this on your list because I oh, love this album. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you like it, dude. Yeah, it's it's I, I I got I got a shit ton of mileage out of this album this year. Twinkle Twinkle, uh, let me down in particular. But you know, then there's the the stuff like the 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 closer. Uh, I die for you, oh, man. Stuff like stuff like Hey Child, which is a little more yep. a little more dramatic. It, it, it's just, I mean, she she nails everything. It's just, I I I have gotten. It, it feels weird to say I've gotten more and more into country, and then cite stuff like like Sturgill Simpson and like Margot Price because I don't think either of them are you know they're they're, they're country artists, but only kinda. You know, it's, it's, it's a gateway into the genre through stuff that's more familiar to me, but man, stuff like this, like if, if, if this is the gateway, then, then so be it, you know, like this is fantastic. And I want to hear more after this. Well, even if this is like the gateway to the fringe, then put me on the fringe because this is the stuff that I really like to hear. This is the stuff that speaks to me and has an openness and honesty that that really connects to me. Uh, yeah, Twinkle Twinkle is probably the most accessible kind of rock and roll ZZ Top Led Zeppelin sound. But man, yeah, Hey Hey Child is so good. I Die for You is so good. It it's it uh, man, she's got got something. And it, it's funny. One of the things that I did with her that I don't normally do. I'm like, how old is she? I gotta figure out because she seems a little bit older than normally I would think from these young ingenue kind of country people. And yeah, no, she is a little bit older, which, which comes across in, in, in the music. There is a, there's a wisdom and um, I don't want to say age, but there is a sense of experience in these songs that translates so well that man, this was probably um, of everything I listened to on your list that I didn't know before, this was the one where I was like, Oh shit. Like this is the, the, the way that it works for me is if it's something that's really good, I'll grab my wife. I'm like, Jerry, you need to hear this because <laughs> this is going to be up our fucking alley. And uh, that's what I did with, 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 with Margot price. Great. Oh, great nice record, man. Yeah, dude. I, I really, I couldn't get enough of it this year. Um, <laughs> of all people, it was of all people. It was uh metal text on, on Twitter. Oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't know he had a name. I just know him as Metal Text. Uh, uh, <laughs> I I will let this small nerdy secret out. Uh, he and I are in a Dungeons and Dragons game together. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so okay. I play with him at least once a month. He's nice. a great guy. Yeah. Uh, but he tweeted about it, and I was like, "Oh, well, this dude has his head screwed on straight. Let's check this out." And yeah. literally never looked back. So. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Very very big fan. Um. Beyond that, I, quick quick hitters. You mentioned Eve's tumor. Eve's tumor. Uh, I really really enjoyed that. And then uh, the last one was one I, I came across relatively recently. Salt or Soul or I'm not sure how it's pronounced. S A U L T. Um, British uh, R and B soul collective. Uh, they did two albums this year, both untitled but with subtitles in parentheses. Um, I don't know how that works, but they're both fantastic. Okay. Really, really check into the, 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 the black experience and, uh, you know, do so with just an incredible palette of music behind them. So yeah. Oh, awesome. That's I'll me. Check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan, big fan. So I, I, I've only got a couple left myself. I'm going to do a quick grouping 
of four records. Um, and then I want to talk about at, I want to talk about two more a little bit in individually. So again, going back to the theme of what, you know, where's my comfort zone? Where do I kind of hide when I need to kind of recharge the batteries? For me, it's garage rock. It's, 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 it's a little prog. It's a little garage rock. Um, and if there's a year that goes by where either Ty Siegel or John Dwyer don't release at least four or five records, then you know there's something wrong. Um, Ty Siegel only released, I think, three this year. But out of the three that he only. released, uh, he has a stoner metal rock project called Fuzz. And out of nowhere, out of nowhere they released Fuzz 3 this year. It is, it is Black Sabbath meets ZZ Top, just meets endless noodling and guitar solos and heavy riffs and crazy singing. And Ty Siegel only sings and plays drums. He's not doing the guitar work on Fuzz. Um, that's a guy named Charlie Moorhead, I think. And again, don't quote me. I finished the bottle of wine about a half an hour ago, so... The alcohol is already hitting me, but if you like that kind of scuzzy garage, black Sabbathy rock, check out fuzz and particularly check out fuzz three on the other side of the house. Uh, I am an unabashed lover of John Dwyer. Uh, the guy who is the leader of, uh, it, 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 it could be OCs, the OCs, the OCs. He changes the name every six months right now. It's OCs all one word. Um, he released probably seven albums. He's got one more coming out in a couple of weeks. But uh, how do these people do it? They, you know, <laughs> how do they do it? You and I are just stuck in a rut. Some people just fucking create because that's all that they know to do. And he yeah. did three albums. I want to talk about uh, the latest OCs. First of all, which is um, called Protean Threat. Uh, it's a little bit more electronic than the last one. Uh, uh, it, it's a little bit shorter. Uh, it, it's it's the OCs. It's got that garagey, lo-fi rock tone uh, with his signature kind of high nasally voice. Um, it's 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 OCs. If you like the OCs, you're going to love Protean Threat. He had two other albums, though, come out. Um, the first one I want to talk about is Damage Bug and Bug on Yonkers. This is a little bit more of a scronky kind of hardcore garage rock album that came out um, before the OC's album. And it's, again, they're all kind of, you can see how the sides reflect upon one another, but it's a different vibe than what the OC's do. Um, but it's so signature John Dwyer that, again, if, if you like the guy, check this thing out. He's done a couple albums under the Damage Bug name right now. This is just a real solid effort from him. The one that I probably like the best of everything he's put out is a band called, it's a stupid name. <laughs> the, the name that I use is Bent Arcana. The name that he says okay. is the actual name of the band is Bent Arcana featuring John Dwyer, Ryan Sawyer, Peter Curlin, Tom Dolez, Brad Calkins, Kit Malone, and Marcos Rodriguez. That is the actual name of the band. It has to have everybody's name on it. Whatever. <laughs> what this is, is this is six tracks of improsatory jazz funk rock 
featuring uh, one of the guys from my favorite band of last year, Sun Watchers. And it's literally just kind of, we talked before about, um, uh, about, <laughs> I had to turn away for a second. We, we talked about fish and how fish is kind of a boring, kind of a prosecutory jam rock band. This is the same thing, but it takes much more of a jazzier bent. And when you have like the folks from sun watchers on there, let me just tell you the rhythm and percussion is going to be top notch and songs like the gate, uh, misanthrope oblivion sigil. Uh, it's just an exercise in letting loose, cutting free and just kind of expressing yourself in this environment with these players. And it sounds phenomenal. So if you're into the garage sound, you probably already know who Ty Siegel and John Dwyer are, but Hey, they released a ton of shit this year. And those four albums are of special mention to me. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, it's funny. Both, I, you know, I, I mentioned before we listened to, I listened to our end of year podcast from last year, uh, just a few days ago. I know both, uh, came up on uh, both Ty Siegel and, and OCs came up on last <laughs> year's pod. And I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a bad, I'm a bad friend. I'm a bad music listener. I'm a bad, ex, you know, just, just explore uh, of music, but I'm in the same position that I was with both last year <laughs> at the end of this year, which is like, holy shit, I have such option paralysis. I don't possibly know where to begin. You know, <laughs> like, I, I, that, I get so stressed out trying to figure out and start that touch that's point. That's my fault. I need to guide you as to where to start with those guys. Because yeah, when you're putting out seven albums a year, it's fucking hard to decide where to go. And both of those guys suffer from that problem. So uh, don't despair. Don't take the guilt upon yourself. I will figure out something and get you an introductory guide to those. And then maybe next year when they put out another six fucking albums, we can have a little bit more of a in-depth conversation about them. Oh man, I've been accepted into the uh, the Ty Siegel Temple. I'm the I'm the Padawan, <laughs> the Ty Siegel and OC's Temple. <laughs> so, do you have anything else on your list that you want to talk about? I have two that I want to talk about. We 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 kind of didn't stick to structure and about stuff, but there are two that I want to address. But I want to make sure that you have your. I know you had your four themes. You talked about your your four themes, but there's got to be some outliers out there that you want to bring up. Not not a ton. I mean, I I I I had one written and I crossed it off, but I'll bring it back up because he was in the news just I think just this morning. Um, Jonathan Holton, um, yeah. who was formerly the guitarist of Tribulation, I guess when when his solo album came out earlier this year, he was still the guitarist of Tribulation. He left the band today. Um, he he put on an album called Chance from Another Place, which if you know Tribulation. Um, they're, they're kind of theatrical, like kind of horror, uh, catchy, catchy death metal, I guess is the way to describe it. Yeah, um, you know, with more of a vintage edge. Um, this is not that at all. This is, this is, uh, just very acoustic, traditional kind of folky sounding stuff. And it's fantastic. It's mesmerizing, really good stuff. Um, I'll call that one out. I, honestly, beyond, beyond that, I, I don't, um, I, it's it's not one album, but I got to give a shout out to the synthwave label, um, New Retrowave. Um, they just had themselves a year. Um, we talked about Jesse Fry. Yep. Uh, 
other highlights on their roster this year, Dead Life, who I did a video review of, um, the first of two Dead Life, Dead Life albums, City of Eternal Rain. Um, they put out another one called, I think, Dark City, not that long ago, which was not as good, but still, City of Eternal Rain kicked ass. Zombie Hyperdrive, Neon Knox, uh, the Magda- Magnetron compilation, Let Em Riot put out a terrific new album. At 1980, who I think I shared with you, kind of yep. kind of gave me real FM 84 vibes. That's what that's that what, was that's on, what reminded me of it. <laughs> that was on new retrowave. I mean, they just they really they they you could fault new retrowave for for having been a little bit too much into the dark synth side of things for a while or the the cyberpunky thing. But this was this was a diverse year for them, and it really really paid off. They they had a lot of really good stuff. Um, so that would be the only two things I would call out beyond what we already talked about. All right. I have a couple like just real quick ones that, uh, were also very heavily, uh, influential in my year this year. Um, first off again, just kind of striking back to what I grew up with. One of the things, one of my fondest memories growing up in high school was uh, driving in an old beat up paneled station wagon to my high school every year with my friend, Charlie Lawler. And uh, him putting on a minor threat. And it was my okay. first introduction to Ian MacKay. Um, Ian MacKay put out an, uh, a self-titled album from his new uh, band called Koraki this year, which is oh. him and his his wife, who was also the lead singer of um, The Warmers. Uh, and they were in a band together called The Evens, and now they are in Koraki. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is, it is just, it, it, again, from a production standpoint, when you put the headphones on and you you listen to this, the sense of space, the sense of being in the room with these guys as they just bat out. The, it's not hardcore. It's not metal. Um, it's kind of largely acoustic, even though it's not really acoustic. It's just it's Ian MacKay doing Ian MacKay and just doing it great with his wife. And they sound fantastic. I can't give that enough credit. Discord has always been one of my favorite labels. Uh, they're on Bandcamp, and if you want anything from Discord, I, man, I, I really suggest just ordering directly from them. They always give you nice and friendly notes. Hey, Chris, this is the new, you know, here's the new thing. Stay well and be healthy, and it's it's always great. Every time they have something new, I, I tend to order it from them, and 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 uh, they're always super nice. nice. Two other things I want to talk about: the Flaming Lips. So the Flaming Lips was a band that I've always held kind of at arm's length um, with regards to some of their more popular stuff. The Soft Bulletin was an album that took me years to get into. Um, Yoshimi versus the Robots and all that shit. Yeah, I get it. It just never really hit me. Uh, I was much more a fan of Embryonic, the stuff that was much more, again, prog and, and expansive. So they put out a new album this year called American Head which is the exact opposite of all the prog progressive stuff that they've been doing. It's much more song based. It's much more introspective. It's much more, um, uh, much more folk actually than anything else. Even though if you know, the flaming lips, you know that they are purveyors of sound exploration and that sound exploration is definitely here. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful album. It, it's just something that you could put headphones on and get lost in as you chase, you know, sound after sound, after theme, after melody. Um, so th- that's what I want to call out. It was particularly comforting for me this year. And then this last one only came out like two weeks ago. And again, I talked about being kind of new to country. Um, and one of the things that everyone always talked to me about was, Hey, you got to hear Chris Stapleton, man. That dude's fucking awesome. 
And I listen to Traveler. I don't fucking like it. I still don't fucking like it. I'm going to be honest with you. So when I heard he had a new kind of album come out out of nowhere called Starting Over, I was not particularly inclined to want to listen to it. Uh, but my brother, who's a huge fan, said, no, you need to listen to the album. And the second I put on the first song, which is the title track, Starting Over, uh, I, I, I'm i not going to lie to you. I fucking cried. <laughs> it was a wow. beautiful song. I mean, it's just a song about, again, you, you know, your mileage may vary based on your personal experience, but it's about, you know, the, the being with someone that you love and what that person is like for you. Um, and it, it's, it, he sings it with his wife. His wife is the female vocalist on the track and song after song, after song, the thing that it reminded me of was Sturgill Simpson was Jason Isbell. You have your country songs. You have your hard rock ZZ top bass songs. You have your Led Zeppelin feel. You have a song about a dog because <laughs> got to have a song about a dog on this one. Run Maggie run <laughs> is the song on, 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 on this one. And man, it really turned me around. I still don't like traveler. I'm never going to go back to it, but this album, it is a starting over for this guy. This is an album that is much more personal. It's much more, no fucks given. Let me just kind of talk about what I want to talk about. And it's really, really good. Um, and, and to have an album this late in the year kind of hit me like that when there's only a couple of weeks left again with the type of year 2020 has been, it's so nice to have these type of things to kind of put your head into sit back and get lost for a little bit, even if it's only for 45, 50 minutes at a time. I he he's one that's been on the radar for a while for me and I've never fully dived in. I think the only the only thing I've ever actually listened to of his is he, and it wasn't even of his. He guessed it on a Justin Timberlake song. Yes, he did. I think. <laughs> um but I I your your endorsement your endorsement carries some weight. So I will uh I will uh give this a uh, give this a spin. With with everything that I've talked about, if 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 I could recommend anything, I would probably recommend that one. Because it okay. feels like a response to the amount of fame he got guesting with Justin Timberlake on that song. This is uh man, I am not really cut out for fame. I'm gonna take a step back and just write about what I want to write about. That's kind of how I took this. And it really, uh, again, it just, you know, I I can't say it'll happen for everybody, but there was an emotional connection there literally from the first riff that held me uh, captive throughout the entire record. That's awesome. And again, shout out Dave Cobb, producer. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say Dave Cobb. It's going to happen again, yeah. Well, hey, we have uh, we have successfully uh, we have successfully buked this podcast. <laughs> yeah, th- this was a long one, but uh, dude, I I can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to do this with me. It's always fun to oh, really dude, just kind of geek out on music and and not worry about the confines of genre. Just just let it go where it wants to go and and, and have fun. You're always the best person for that, sir. Hard hard agree. This was a blast, and uh, thank you for taking. Uh, Two and a half hours of your night. 
<laughs> chat, chat about some some music. I definitely I definitely want to check out some of your picks. I I'm I'm very and in particular this Chris Stapleton. I'm looking I'm looking forward to giving that a go. Sounds good. Uh, but uh, yeah, folks at home, thank you for listening to. Uh, we did a cold opening, but we're not going to do a cold closing. You know the drill. Nine Circles Co. Uh, Nine Circles Blog at Gmail We're on the social media too, but. Shit. How many times have you listened to this podcast? You know it by now. Yeah. <laughs> Search for nine circles. You'll find us. <laughs> but thank you for listening. And uh, Chris, thank you for uh, your, uh, your 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 time this evening. You were a, uh, a conversationalist extraordinaire. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud. Same to you, Dan. If I could say anything to um, anybody else out, out there, uh, man, uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, just be well. It's a fucking hard year. Uh, you'll get through it. Uh, Dan and I got through it. You guys can get through it and we'll see you on the other side. We're almost done. You're all doing great. Just, just, just keep powering through, keep powering through. We'll, we'll, we'll come through it. We'll come through it. Indeed.